Well, I am, uh, for those that don't know me, my name is Peter Botros, and I, I am a member of staff here, and it's my absolute pleasure to begin this brand new series that I have been so looking forward to start for a long time, and it is basically a series on the Holy Spirit. If you are a Christian for a while, or if just you're exploring Christianity or visiting with us today, I want you to know that Christians believe in a triunity God. We call that the Trinity. He's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So it is with an absolute heart of gratitude that I get a chance to share with you not merely a piece of information and theory about the person and ministry and impact of the Holy Spirit, but His impact over my life, over our family, and indeed over so many people that I've seen that love Jesus wholeheartedly and live for Him. This is going to be a five-week series, and we will uh, uh, look at the person of the Holy Spirit today. We'll look at uh, his function and his role next week. We'll look about how we can relate and respond to him the following week. Then we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit in the final week. The premise and the promise of this series is that we'll live on a different plane when we live in the Holy Spirit. Hear me right. We live on a different plane when Christians abide in the power and the person and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And I want to symbolize it for you in this way. Living by the flesh, which is just you, who you are on your own without the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit. Living by the flesh as compared to living by the Spirit of God is like walking on a plane as compared to flying by a plane. It's as simple as walking and flying. It's as simple as a realm of the flesh or who you are on your own and the realm of the spirit of who you are when God's enabling spirit abides freely and controls you from the inside out. You know, Paul, who wrote half the New Testament, made it a beautiful statement about the two separate realms of walking and flying in the book of Romans and chapter 8 and verse 9. And it says this, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh that is not just you living in your own capacity, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if that's the condition, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Friends, I want to tell you something from the start. You can't choose one person from the triune God. You can't say, but I'm focused on Jesus and His salvation. You just can't. He says in the Scripture... According to Paul, that if you do not have the Spirit of God, you actually do not belong to Christ. You can't say I'm a Christian if you do not allow yourself to have a relationship with the indwelling presence of God by the power of His Spirit. In a biblical terminology, the Apostle Paul makes it utterly clear that it is critical for every Christian to live by the power of the Spirit of God. 
So let me just, in a very primitive way, explain the difference between walking with God in your own flesh and strength and flying with God in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use something very silly, the metaphor of walking and flying that is just scratches the surface. Walking is ordinary. Everybody who is healthy can walk. You don't have any extra capacity to walk. You're, you're able to walk naturally. But flying is extraordinary. It's, it's, it's something that's new. It's something that it doesn't make sense. My son, my young son, yesterday in the car was talking to me about how many people actually uh, you know, get into the plane. And it's like when you think about it, there is hundreds of people that enter this crazy room and all of a sudden it feels the same, but they over the seas and they end up in a completely different country. That's just weird, don't you reckon? If you told that to Adam and Eve, they would say, you're crazy, you know? But walking is natural, flying is extraordinary, is supernatural. Walking brings you slow progress but flying insanely fast progress. Have you ever seen those maps, you know, the path maps? I, I don't watch movies on the plane, but I always seem to get attracted to those non-moving maps, and it's like the plane is not going anywhere. It's like, come on, hurry up. But man, the, it's like flying at incredible speeds. It's getting places like we could even, couldn't even imagine. Walking is based on your human capacity, your strength, your fitness, your endurance. But flying is based on someone else's capacity. It's mechanical capacity. Walking is, uh, is restricted by the natural law, but flying, you overcome re- uh, gravity. You, you, you overcome natural laws. So friends, the premise and the promise of this series that you and I can fly spiritually instead of grind our way, walking so slowly and struggle and get weary and despairing in our walk with God. You don't have to endure Christianity. You don't have to endure walk with God. You can honestly enjoy a life with God through the Holy Spirit. Flying is a big deal it's all the hype and justifiably so. To be absolutely honest, I have never seen a plane or got into a plane until 1989 when uh, my family and I migrated from Egypt uh, to Melbourne. And I don't know, what was your first experiences of getting into a plane? It feels like, uh, uh, you know, Disneyland. It's incredibly exciting and you're looking at everything and everything is like super, uh, super exciting, but it's also terrifying. It's like, what about if, if the pilot doesn't know how to land the plane properly? What about if something happens ridiculously whilst we're in the air and, and you get this uh, adrenaline of feeling excited and terrified all at once? But my nerves were so settled when we got introduced to the pilot. We got settled when he heard his Egypt air announcement. And this is how it went, or something like that. It says, this is your Captain Kharidi, welcoming both seated and standing passengers on board of Egypt Air. We apologize for the four days delay in taking off. It was due to bad weather. This is flight 717 to Alexandria Airport, 
landing there is not guaranteed, but we'll end up somewhere in Egypt. And if luck is on our favor, we may even land on your village. Egypt Air has an excellent safety record. In fact, our safety standards are so high that even terrorists are afraid to fly with us. It is with pleasure I announce that starting this year, over 30% of our passengers have reached their destination. If our engines are too noisy for you on passenger request, we can arrange to turn them off in order to make sure you are feeling comfortable. We regret to inform you that today's in-flight movie will not be shown as we forgot to record, the, to record it from the television. However, for our movie puffs, we will be flying right next to Somalia Airlines where their movie will be visible from the right side of the cabin window. Kindly be seated. Keep your seat in an upright position for takeoff and fasten your seat belt. For those of you who can't find a seat belt, kindly fasten your own belt to the arm of the seat. And for those of you who can't find a seat, do not hesitate to get in touch with a stewardess who will explain how to fasten yourself to your suitcase. <laughs> Thanking you for choosing Egypt Air to fly for the first and the last time. You would be pretty suspicious if you heard that announcement introducing the pilot to you, wouldn't we? And I imagine that as you sit here and hear us talk about the Holy Spirit, some of us are suspicious of the Holy Spirit. You have a suspicious view of the Holy Spirit. It is understandable and fully natural if you've had a negative experience with Christians who claim to be Holy Spirit people, or if you've gone to a church and experienced or seen or observed weird people doing weird things in the name of the Holy Spirit, it's understandable that you're suspicious. Many of us have the view uh, that we are simply, Holy Spirit is a sensationalist type of Christianity. Where there's hyped emotions, people flying with flags in the aisles of the church, people falling all over the place and it's an emotional hype like a balloon hot air balloon. But for some of us, our view of the Holy Spirit is superficial. We understand in theory who may be the Holy Spirit. Maybe he is side type of knowledge because we heard somebody talk about the Holy Spirit. But deep on the inside of us, we can't honestly say that we have a relation with the Holy Spirit, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Maybe as Mark said several months ago, when he said that I believed in God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Bible. And many of us don't have a solid biblical view of who is God the Holy Spirit. So in the next few weeks, by God's grace, I will have the opportunity to share with you some of what we know to be biblically founded view of the Holy Spirit. And if you will, if you are willing, this could transform your spiritual life. This could take you from walking to flying. And I want to start today with the teaching, the prelim, the foundational teaching on the Holy Spirit from the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he spoke just before he got crucified in John chapter 14 all the way to John chapter 16 on the profound 
person of the Holy Spirit. And this is what he said. He said, and I will ask the Father. So here you've got Jesus, the Son of God incarnate, and the Father. And he says, and I, he will give you another advocate. Advocate is, is translated in other places, comforter or helper or a person who brings strength to help you and be with you forever. The Holy Spirit, the advocate, is someone that will be with us forever. He is known as the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. But you, you know Him. And they would have said, what do you mean? We don't know Him. Like we've never even understood what it means to have that. He says, no, 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 no. He lives with you. He lives with you in the person of the Holy, uh, in the person of Jesus Christ. The, didn't we just read that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ and will be in you? And then in verse 26 says, But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, again, the triune God right here, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. He finishes his articulation of this person of the Holy Spirit with the peace state. Because you and I do not have peace in the midst of life challenges without the comforter. Look at what he says in John chapter 16. He goes on to explain in the same context the person of the Holy Spirit and says this, but very truly I say to you, that means amen, amen, or, or you might have re read it in the New King James, uh, verily, verily, you know, the truly, truly, um, uh, truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. What do you mean, Jesus? Like you imagine not having Chris Pope as the pastor of the church, but Jesus Christ as the pastor of the church for not four years, for three years, three and a bit years. And all of a sudden he says, see you later. I'm not just going to South Australia. I'm going home to heaven. You can't, you know, you can't book a ticket and come and visit. You can't have a Skype call. I'm just up there and, and this is going to be good for you. And they're saying, no, it's not. We know better. You can't leave us and say that's better. And he says, no, I'm telling you, because I am with you, but then I will be in you. He says that I'm going away unless I go away. The advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. Not just guide you to the truth. You can guide somebody to a church, but you can't get him into the church. You can, you can guide somebody to the water, but you can't get them to drink the water. You can guide somebody to truth, but you can't get them to embrace the truth. The Holy Spirit guides us into all the truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears, and He will tell you what is yet to come. That is the Holy Spirit. And just in a few moments, I've got left with you. I want to share three critical ideas. I'm going to assume the very basics. We're not going to assume that you have prior knowledge. So if this is basics for you, that is awesome because we're trying to get a biblical base for all of us to get our, 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 um, our takeoff on the right runway. It says, 
He is God, that is the third person of the triunity or the trinity, the triune God. He is a person and he is another comforter. So let me briefly take you through those uh, three ideas now. The first one, he is God. The Holy Spirit is the third person in this trinity that Christians believe. It's almost like God in three dimensions. Uh, as I was growing up, it is very hard to understand the idea of having a triune God. Because it, we, we don't th think that way. But I recall in our uh, uh, kids' church or, or youth groups, we were told it's like, it's like you. You have a spirit, uh, you have a mind or a soul, and you have a body. It's like the sun. The sun, it has an essence, it has rays that are light, and it also has heat. You know, it's three in one. And I know those things are primitive concepts, but the idea is true that something could be three-dimensional. They're three persons in one. But the truth is this, the Holy Spirit is God. You can't say, I believe in the Father and I believe in the Son, but I don't believe in the Holy Spirit because He freaks me out. Or people who believe in the Holy Spirit freak me out. You just can't do that. You can't do that because they are one. The Spirit of God was present in creation. He brought life to humanity or breath to humanity. He is an eternal God. He speak, Jesus speaks of Him that He will be with us forever. What else could be with us forever unless He's eternal God? He is the Spirit of truth. And believe it or not, throughout the Scripture, and you see in Isaiah 65, 16, in John 14, 6, and John 14, 16 to 17, uh, that every member of the triune God is associated with the idea of truth. He is of the same essence as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There is no subordination. There is not one less than the other. They are of the same essence. The first thing, He is God. The second thing, He is a person. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit with the He, not it. He is not, may the fourth be with you. He is a person. Obviously, he's not a male person. He is a divine being. Because in the divine Godhead, there is no male and female. He's just a divine being. But he is a person, not a force. He is personal. He's intimate. He is not just a power that comes upon us. And, and sadly, when people are exposed to the idea of the Holy Spirit, they want to use the Holy Spirit for manifestation. I recall about three years ago, some of our young adults were running around to different churches just trying to figure out what's the next buzzy thing, manifestation of the Holy Spirit here, there, and everywhere. And a guy came to me and met with me, and he was so excited. And he said to me, I went to a church, and the preacher says, I'm going to be the first man that walks on water by the gift of the Holy Spirit. When all that we want out of the Holy Spirit is my glory, that is not the Holy Spirit. That's the next vending machine. The Holy Spirit is a person that desires to have an intimate relationship with you and I. He actually has a mind. He has a will. He has a feeling. You can upset the Holy Spirit. You can quench the Holy Spirit. He wants to have a relationship, not come and give you something so that you can be. He's not a tool for your own glory or my glory. 
He's a person and in the scripture we'll find several symbols of the Holy Spirit to explain and clarify to us his personality. Number one, he's a duff. He is gentle and devoted to his people. He's described as a duff. Number two, he's symbolized by water. He satisfies and refreshes those who are connected to him. He's wind. He has totally invisible presence, but incredibly influential power. A wind, you don't see it, but when it comes, you feel it. And that's what the Holy Spirit does in a believer's life. He is also symbolized by fire. He's all-consuming. He refines the soul. He purifies the character from the inside because you and I can't. We're still bound by the law of gravity of sin, but the Holy Spirit can refine us onto the very image of Christ because the goal of Christianity is not heaven-bound, it's Christ-likeness. God doesn't just want you to live life here in such a way so you can go to heaven. He wants you to live here in such a way that you resemble Jesus on earth. And you can! By the power of the Spirit of God, not because of you and I. It's because the Spirit of God manifests the character of Jesus in us as we surrender more fully to His presence and power and standards. The Holy Spirit is also mentioned and symbolized by the idea of oil. Because when you pour oil on somebody, they begin to shine. They begin to look different. And Christians who are dull, who look like just the world, who just the difference between them and other people who don't know Jesus is that they go to church once a week. They are people who have not been anointed by the power and the oil of the Holy Spirit to make them shine like Jesus. When you feel dull, when you feel lacking lubrication, when you feel like you're not shining your light onto others, just figure out what is your relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's not mysterious. He's a person. He's a dove, symbolized by water, symbolized by wind, fire, and oil. The last thing that I want to share about the Holy Spirit is that He is a comforter. Jesus speaks of Him of another advocate, another helper, another comforter. And the word another actually speaks of someone of the same kind. I've heard it explained before in this way. You imagine that you purchased an iPhone. And the iPhone after you know a little while is driving you nuts and you don't like it. So if you're lucky and you have a child, you know, desperate children like us, you might, you know, give it to one of those children. And you're gonna say, you know, I love you so much, take my phone, because it doesn't work well. And uh, and I'm gonna go get another phone. It is not likely that you mean you're going to get another busted phone with the same busted battery. You want to get another phone of a different kind. If you've been hurt by the iPhone, you might go to Samsung or something, right? Or you want to get an upgrade. You are getting a phone not of the same kind. That is one of the words that Jesus could have used, but he didn't use that. If you're in love with iPhone, what, 10 or whatever it is, and, and you still love your children and you're willing to give them something, uh, and you give, uh, you know, you give them that phone and say, you love it, here is your birthday, I'm going to give you that phone, I'm going to go get another one. You're in love with it so much that you're going to get another of the same kind. You go to the guy and say, look, I don't understand about phones, but I want the same one. 
And that's what Jesus was saying about the Spirit. He's saying of the same kind, of the same essence. Jesus is presenting to us the Holy Spirit as the same comforter like Jesus was the comforter. Imagine if Jesus could be with you. Imagine if Jesus could be with you once a week. Imagine if Jesus could be with you once a day. Imagine if Jesus could be with you every day. Imagine if Jesus not only be with you, but within you. What would your Christian walk look like? Because when we declare bankruptcy and defeat, and, and when we're acting well, harshly with others, when, when we're acting jealously with others, when we, when we focus our own agendas and selfishness, I want to tell you that you are not aware that the Spirit of God is on the inside of you. You couldn't. You couldn't. But in the midst of temptation, in the midst of challenges, in the midst of weakness, in the midst of defeat, you say, Holy Spirit that walks and lives and abides on the inside of me, resurrect me. The same Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is in you. You tell me someone can raise the dead and can't raise you from whatever mess you're in. Seriously? The Holy Spirit rose Jesus from the dead and we can't live life to our full potential in God when the Holy Spirit is just right on the inside of you. The word comforter or helper means parakletos. It's the paraclete. It's the person that comes alongside. It comes from two words. To come and alongside, to call alongside. It's used of the defense lawyer. If you're in trouble and you want someone to come, you call someone to come alongside you, to help you, to assist you, to speak on your behalf. And that's the Holy Spirit, friends. Why would anybody not want the comforter, the helper, the one that reveals the character of Jesus and gives us the DNA of Jesus so we could live on a different, totally different plane. Comfort comes from the idea of with strength. You can have strength. You can have strength. You can have life. You can have strength. You can have energy. You can have the capacity to be selfless. You can have the capacity to love unconditionally. You can have the capacity to serve sacrificially. You can have the capacity and boldness to live like Jesus in the world. You can have the energy to have intimacy with Almighty God because the Spirit of God allows us to call Him our Father. I beg you, consider where you stand in your relationship with the Spirit of God. Because the early church made it utterly clear. And what we know as the Nicene, the, early, the first uh, church council, ecumenical council, they spoke a set of beliefs about God the Father and God the Son, and they mentioned something about God the Spirit. But in 381 in Constantinople, they had a, a second ecumenical council, and they said, we believe in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Life giver. He's the giver of life. Without the Holy Spirit, you have no spiritual life, no spiritual energy, no spiritual motivation, no ability to sacrifice your life for the one who sacrificed is for you. 
So I want to conclude today by saying this. Imagine, imagine if you do not have to stumble and walk and struggle this spiritual walk. Imagine if you can have a life in your spiritual life like never before. Imagine if you can get on this plane and do stuff that super, that, that naturally impossible. Imagine when the temptations come your way, you don't have to fight it because there is, there is a law that functions against the law of gravity that lifts you above it. Imagine when you walk uh, not so kindly with other people and the love of Jesus flooded, poured in your heart by the power of the Spirit of God and you can love people even when they irritate you. Imagine if you can walk out and in the power and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, you can touch people's lives regardless of what they think of you inside the church or outside the church. You can live victoriously by the power of the Spirit. Friends, would you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Himself afresh to you this week? Just before we continue our series, would you ask the Holy Spirit to reveal Himself to you this week? Not so that He can be the vending machine that you need. And so you can surrender your life wholeheartedly to the one that deeply loves you. And wants to take you to another level. He wants to take you to another realm, the realm of the Spirit. Imagine if you and I could kiss our mediocre Christianity goodbye. Imagine if we could say no to sin and yes to God. Imagine if we could live for the one that we will see one day and be so faithful that when He looks us in the eyes, say, good and faithful servant. And we'll say, Father, we didn't do anything. It was the power of Your Spirit inside of us. And the glory goes to Your Lord and my Lord. Because you have no life in your spiritual life without the Spirit of life. You genuinely have no life in your spiritual life without the spirit of life. You can have all the information you want. You can have all the right doctrines. Well, they wouldn't be right if you don't have the Holy Spirit anyway. You can have all the knowledge, all the activity, all the reputation. People clap all around you. You're filled with activity. You're filled with emotion satisfaction. You're filled with, you know, gratitude or whatever you may be filled with. But unless you're filled with the Spirit of God, friends, we do not have life without the Spirit of life. You have no life in your spiritual life without the Spirit of life. I wish I could communicate it better. But I can't. All I can say to you is, it is from personal experience that allowing the Holy Spirit to come and take control over my life, I promise before Almighty God and many of you will testify because you've had the same experience, that life with the Holy Spirit, not the funky, hyped emotionalism, sensationalism, all this stuff, but genuine walk with Jesus enables you to live selflessly even when the cost is high.